Well, I want to finish up the series today, The God I Never Knew. If you're new with us today, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, for a lot of people, he's the person in the Trinity that we just don't know about a lot. We don't talk much about him, and we want you, you to get to know the Holy Spirit better. And today, I want to talk to you from this thought, there is more. There is is more. Before I begin teaching today, I want to say right up front, this is not my normal style of teaching in the sense of I've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of scripture to share with you today. I normally like to tell more stories as I teach and preach God's word. But what my, my goal throughout this series is to help you know the Holy Spirit better. And I'm a Bible teacher and preacher, so I know no other way than to help you understand the working of the Holy Spirit than to take you to the Word of God. So I'm going to give you a lot, a lot of Scripture today. So get your Bibles ready, your iPhones with the Scriptures on them. Get your pen and paper ready to take some great notes as we learn to get to know the Holy Spirit, Spirit better. You know what I've learned in life is that we like to arrive at a destination, we're kind of destination people. You know, we, we can't wait to arrive at the destination. Can't wait maybe to graduate high school, to arrive at the destination, or graduate college, or, or to get the job, get to that destination, or to buy the home, the destination, or to get married, or to have children and to get to that destination, or come on, somebody, get the children out the house to get to that destination, or, 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 to, or maybe it's to start seeing grandchildren to that destination, or, or, you know, you're working, but you're dreaming about retirement and getting to that destination. And we're kind of destination-minded people. And, and even when I travel, I know some of you uh, th that you're thinking when you travel, you, you, like, you like the scenic route. You're like, I got to travel across the country. I want to drive the car, sightsee, look, check everything out. I don't get you <laughs> at all. I want to get on a plane, go 30,000 feet in the air, and get there in two hours. You hear what I'm saying? That's the only destination. That's all the sightseeing I want to do is clouds because I'm a destination-minded person. I want to get there and then enjoy the, the scenery when I'm there. It's about the destination. But understand, when it comes to following Christ, we never arrive at the destination. We, we just never arrive. There's always more. But, but some Christians have this destination mindset. They, they, think, they think about Christianity like this. Well, all I want to do is give my heart to Christ, salvation, and go to heaven. I mean, that's it. Come to Christ, go to heaven. That's it. And friends, when you read the Bible, there's just so much more. That that's not God's entire plan. You see, when we give our hearts to Christ, if that was God's only plan for our lives, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he'd just kill us and take us to heaven. But, but he doesn't do that. He leaves us here. And the Bible says he places his Holy Spirit inside of us. And every single day, we're, we're, we're becoming more like Jesus Christ. And we never arrive at the ultimate destination until we get to heaven. So until then, there is more. We can become more like God. Come on, somebody shout at the pastor today and just say, there is more. I want to teach you about that today. I, I, I want to begin by taking you to Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 5. Ephesians 4, verse 5 says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And there, understand this, there is one God, but he exists in three persons. It's important for you to understand that three, the number three, is important in the Bible. One God exists in three. Three persons. Everybody say three. 
Yet three is a very important number in the Bible. Actually, God describes himself in the Old Testament as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Three. Daniel prayed three times a day. Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days. Three. Jesus' inner circle was Peter, James, and John. Three, Peter, James, and John were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three, Jesus prayed three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul prayed three times for for God to take away the thorn in the flesh. Three, biscuits, sausage, and gravy. Three. Okay, I slid that one in on you. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Come on. Biscuits and gravy is good any time of the day. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, I got in the flesh. Let me get back in the spirit real quick. All right. Three. Paul prayed three times for the Lord to remove the, the thorn in the flesh. I told you, Jesus was placed on the cross at, at the third hour, the Bible says, nine o'clock in the morning. Jesus was 33 when he died on the cross. Double three. Jesus got up from the grave on the Third day, three. Three is a very important number in the Bible. You see one Lord, one baptism, but I want to show you today that there are actually three baptisms in the Bible. Now, before I begin to teach you this, the word baptize or baptism simply means this. It's one of those churchy words that sometimes we, don't, we make it over-spiritual, don't know what it really means. It simply means to immerse. That's all the word, that's all the word means. Immerse, baptize. Immerse. Let's look at the three baptisms and learn about them and learn how there is more. The first baptism is the baptism of salvation. The scripture teaches this. When we give our life to Christ, we are what the Bible calls born again because we are baptized in the Spirit by by actually the Holy Spirit. So salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 8 actually says it's the Spirit who convicts the world of sin, and he compels us of our need for Jesus. And then we accept Jesus because the Holy Spirit's convicting us and drawing us to Jesus. Then we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And at that very moment that we are, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into salvation, baptizes us into the body of Christ. The scripture says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for we were all baptized, simply means immersed, baptized by one spirit, by the spirit, that's salvation, so as to form one body, all different people, but we form one body because we have the same spirit, whether, whether we're Jew or whether we're Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. So the Holy Spirit is a person, and at salvation, the Bible says he baptizes us, or literally, that word means he immerses us, he comes to live inside of us, immerses us into the body of Christ, literally comes to live inside of the Christian. And Jesus talks about the baptism of the Spirit at salvation. John 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Born of the Spirit at salvation, the Holy Spirit does a work. He baptizes us into salvation. Let's look at the second baptism. Number two is water baptism. Water baptism. After a person experiences the baptism of salvation, there's more. They need to be water baptized. Jesus commands every Christian to be water baptized. Once again, all that word means is immerse, immersed in water. Matthew 28, verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing, immersing them in water, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, so water baptism is not something we do to get saved. It is something that we do because we are saved. So water baptism is simply symbolizes this. We go underneath the water, and it symbolizes our old nature, our old man, our sinful nature has been washed away. It symbolizes when we come out of the water that we are a new creation in Christ, the new life we have in Jesus Christ. Now, understand, understand this. The Holy Spirit is the one who baptizes us into salvation, comes to live inside of us, and we're regenerated, we're saved, we're born again. So that's the whole work of the Holy Spirit. Then the second baptism is a disciple of Christ baptizes the Christian, the believer, the Christ follower in water, immerses them. Now let's look at this third baptism today, and let's unpack it from the Bible. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, now this baptism is the one that people get all scared and spooky. What? <sighs> Chill out. Relax. This baptism right here is the one you hear so much controversy over. There's so much division and confusion over. And unfortunately, I've been a Christian a long time. Sometimes the body of Christ can just be mean-spirited, arrogant, and cause division over minor doctrinal points of view. It's, it's as though Christians just forget about what Jesus prayed in John 17. You know what the prayer Jesus prayed in John 17? He said, Father, my prayer is that the disciples, that they would be one as we are one. That's the prayer of our heavenly Father. And we know that we are full of the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, when we're working to remain unified, not trying to be divided. I think Jesus sums it up best in John 13 and verse 35. Here's what Jesus said, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And the biggest way people know that we're full of the Spirit is that we actually love each other. We actually work to be unified as the body of Christ. And can I tell you, you're not as spiritual and as close to God as you think you are if you go around causing division and not loving people. And your pastor, some of you don't realize this, I used to travel a lot as, a, as an evangelist. I, I've been to almost every state preaching. I've been to all types of churches. I mean, I've been to almost I mean, any kind. Of, I've just been to all types of churches in America and around the world preaching. And sometimes I'll meet somebody, and they, have a, they, they operate in some spiritual gift, and they're just arrogant and mean, divisive, and they think they're spiritual. I won't look at you and say, not at all. And so just with that in mind, with love in mind and unity in mind, let me show you and teach you what the Bible says about this third baptism. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 11. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, this is talking about Jesus. He's not, not, not talking about the Holy Spirit baptizing. It's not talking about a disciple baptizing somebody in water. It says, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, at salvation, the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Then a, a disciple baptizes a Christian in water. But Jesus baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. Simply means this, Jesus desires to immerse us in the Holy Spirit. You say, pastor, pastor, when I give my life to Christ, doesn't the Holy Spirit come to live inside of me? Yes, 
Absolutely yes, but there is more. You just never arrived. There is more of God. There is always more. You can receive more of the Holy Spirit. John 3, verse 34, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God, check this out, God gives the Spirit without limit. God gives the Spirit without limit or measure. There is more. Why, why does God just want to continue to pour more upon our lives? Why does he want to immerse the Christian with the Holy Spirit? Well, he tells us in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Why? And you will be my witnesses. That, that's it right there. Sometimes I think people put the emphasis in all the wrong places. And listen, God wants to baptize you, immerse you with the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for him. Friends, can I tell you, I think all of us know this, but it's really true when you get married, you realize you got issues and a whole lot of them, and you need Jesus to help you. You know what I'm saying? And you know what God wants to do? And he wants to immerse us in the Holy Spirit, that we'd be a better witness to our spouse, a better witness to our children, a better witness at our workplace, a better witness at our school, a better witness to a lost and dying world. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit that we would be the witness that God desires us to be. Empower us to be an effective witness. Let me show you uh, an, an example. So, 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 so what happens here is, is the disciples, they ask, they're waiting in the upper room, praying and waiting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as John, John the Baptist had said. And in Acts 2, verse 1 through 4, you see, the disciples received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were immersed. And you know immediately what happens? Peter gets up, and he begins to preach a message. And over 3,000 people, he was a witness, and 3,000 people came to Christ that day. He was full of the power of the Holy Spirit, shared faith, and people came to Christ. Let me give you another example of this in Acts chapter 8, verse 14. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. Now, understand this. The Bible teaches that whenever someone accepts the word of God, whenever someone accepts Christ, the Holy, Holy Spirit immediately baptizes them into salvation. There's no delay. Somebody comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes them into salvation, comes to live inside of them. We studied this in week one, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, write that down in your notes. Ephesians one, verse 13, it simply says, when you believed the message of Christ, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So, so the disciples in Samaria have trusted Jesus as their savior and have received the baptism of salvation. That's what happens when you give your heart to Christ. Verse 15 says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers. So Peter and John arrive in Samaria, Notice the Bible says they prayed for the new believers. They're believers. They're Christians. They're followers of Jesus. It says they're there that, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wow. Interesting. Notice they were already believers because you can be a believer baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, and you could stop there. You could just stop there. But there's more. There, there's more. 
The Bible teaches there's more. Verse 16 says this, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it talks about this second baptism. It says they were baptized in water. And the only reason you get baptized in water is that you're a believer and you're a Christian. So they're baptized in water. And if you get baptized in water and you're not a Christian, you simply go down a dry center and you come up a very wet center. That's all that happens. So so they're Christians. They have the spirit of God inside of them. They're water baptized. And yet notice verse 17. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. The disciples in Samaria, they were immersed with the power of the Holy Spirit to be a more effective witness for Christ. I want you to just to notice there's more. There's more God has for us. Acts chapter 19. Let me show you another example. I just believe the Bible. I teach the Bible. I live the Bible. Let me show you the word of God here. Acts 19 verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, disciples, and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul is not asking about the baptism of salvation because when somebody believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them. Every Christian, immediately when they believe upon Jesus, the way that we're saved is the Spirit of God immediately takes residence inside of, uh, inside of us. And yet, what I want you to grasp is that people can give their life to Christ, have the Holy Spirit living inside of them and not know anything about water baptism and not know anything about being immersed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You could just stop there and not know anything. Matter of fact, I think a lot of us are there. We would say, he's the God I never knew. Nobody's ever taught me about the Holy Spirit, never studied him. I never got to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And so here they are. They're, they're Christians. They, they believed upon Christ, and, and, and they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so here's what Paul asked in verse 3. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Now, now notice, Paul implies that there's more than one baptism. So what baptism did you receive? Which one? He goes on to say, Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, notice this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. They were water baptized. Once again, you do not get water baptized unless you're a Christian. So they've experienced the first two baptisms, the baptism of salvation, the baptism in water. But I want you to notice there is more. Notice verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The scripture says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And the Holy Spirit does give gifts to Christians. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But I want you to see there's more of God. We shouldn't be sad. If you're one of those that you've arrived at a destination with God and you're like, God, I'm cool. No more for me. I've arrived. I've made. Listen, you're missing out. There's more. God gives the spirit without measure. He wants to immerse you. He wants to continue to change you to be an effective witness. There is more. And you know what? When you read the Bible about the disciples, after the Acts 2 experience where they were baptized in the spirit, the Bible still says there was more for them. There's, there's just more. We can, there's more that God wants to do in our hearts that we can grow closer to, to Christ. There's always more. And I want you to notice that the disciples were not satisfied. They were not at a destination where they said, God, I've got plenty, no more. No, 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 no. Acts chapter 4 verse 8 says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. 
He was filled again. But God gives a spirit without measure. He's filled again with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were a bold witness for God. There's more. Acts 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. There is more. The apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, here's what he writes to them, inspired by the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, verse 18. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, hey gang, hey, hey church, I, I know you're Christians, but let me, let me tell you, be filled, be continually filled, be refilled, be immersed with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There is more. And friends, as we pursue God, the Holy Spirit does give gifts to believers so that we can minister to people. I don't have a lot of time today just to dive in and do a lot of teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I do want you to know about them so you can pursue all God has for your life so that you can just be able to minister to the people that God puts in your path. So let's look at those gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to pick up reading in verse number 8. Verse number 8. Now, as I get ready to teach this, let me just begin by saying this. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not your gifts. Some people will say this, well, I have this kind of gift. I've got the gift of, 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 of wisdom. I have the gift of, of healing. You don't have any gifts. The Holy Spirit has all the gifts. Okay, I just want to say that. You, you don't have any of them. The Holy, these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has them all. And he gives them, he disperses them to believers for them to minister to other people. So these are the gifts of the Spirit that he, 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 he disperses to believers. L let's look at this together. You can actually see that in verse number 11 in this chapter I'm reading to you, 1 Corinthians 12. Pick up in verse 8, says this, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. So that's a gift of the Spirit, a message of wisdom. That, that's simply this, the Holy Spirit gives people supernatural wisdom for a specific situation. Supernatural answers for a specific situation or problem. That's the message of wisdom. A second gift of the Spirit is to another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit gives people specific knowledge about something they don't know anything about. They didn't know anything about it, and the Holy Spirit gave them a gift of knowledge or a word of knowledge. A third gift is to another, faith by the same Spirit. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is when, this is when the Holy Spirit gives someone the supernatural ability to believe God for something, and it may be something that's impossible, and they're believing God for something for, for, for their life or for someone else's life, and they're believing without doubting. You're thinking, man, I would be doubting if I was in your situation, but they just, the Holy Spirit's giving them just this supernatural faith to believe God. Another gift of the Holy Spirit you see there is to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. And this is when the Holy Spirit gives a follower of Jesus the supernatural ability to pray for someone and to see them healed of a disease or a sickness. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. He says there's another gift of the Holy Spirit to another miraculous powers. This is when the Holy Spirit gives someone the supernatural ability to perform a miracle. You say, Pastor, what is a miracle? A miracle is something that transcends the natural laws of the universe. 
Miracles. God still does miracles, and he gives someone the gift of miracles, and they do something that transcends the natural laws of the universe. It's the gift of miracles. Another, another gift is to another prophecy. Prophecy. This is when the Holy Spirit gives someone a message of encouragement to share with a person or a group of people. To another, distinguishing between spirits. Now, this one gets kind of cloudy for people. You'll hear people say this, I have the gift of discernment. That's not in the Bible. So it's okay. But the, the gift of discernment is not actually in the Bible. It's distinguishing between spirits. Now, you may be very discerning. I'm not telling you that God doesn't help you discern some things. I'm telling you the gift of the Holy Spirit is distinguishing between spirits. And that's simply when the Holy Spirit gives someone the ability to discern what is from the Spirit of God versus the devil, the flesh, or the world. It's like God just gives them, this Holy Spirit gives them this supernatural gift that says, that's of the devil. That, that, this is of the Lord. He, they can just distinguish between spirits. It says, here's another gift the Holy Spirit gives. So there's nine of them. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And, and the gift of tongues is where there's so much confusion. And I hate it. There's so much division in the body of Christ. And let me explain this to you. The gift of tongues is the spiritual ability to speak in a language that is unknown to the person. And the gift of interpretation is the spiritual ability to interpret the gift of tongues. And since there's so much confusion over tongues, let me just spend a few more moments just talking to you about what the Bible says about this gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul talks a little bit more to the church at Corinth. If you know about this church, they thought they were super spiritual. They thought, man, we got the gifts going. We're awesome. They were full of pride, full of sin. And so Paul is trying to teach them about the Holy Spirit and his work in the life of the believer, the Christian. And here's what he says to them about the gifts, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love. Let me just pause there. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are all about love. It's all about love, not division, not being weird or goofy or super spiritual. It's not about pride. Oh, look at me. Look at me. Check me out. No, you're not operating in love. You're full of yourself, not full of God. The gifts of the Spirit are about loving and ministering to people. And he goes on to say this, and eagerly, notice what he goes on to say in verse 1, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Especially prophecy. Now, remember, we taught you about what prophecy is. It's when a message of encouragement to share with a person or persons. And we should desire the spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Verse 2, he goes on to say, For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies, the one who prophesies speaks to people for the strengthening encouraging and comfort. So the one who speaks in the tongue says they speak to God, not to man. They utter mysteries with their, with their spirit. But he says this, the one who prophesies, and this is kind of a definition of prophecy right here. They speak to people for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. You know, as, as I said, I've traveled all across America and around the world and, you know, sometime, and I've been to all kinds of churches. And so sometime I'll get somebody to come up to me and say, I got a word for you, Pastor Herbert. And I'll say, the Lord is disappointed in what you're doing, and he needs to, the Lord is going to smite your ministry. I thought that was not a word from God. Because a, a word from God, a prophecy speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. That was not encouraging or comforting. That was afflicting. That's what that was. Brother feels afflicted right now. 
And so, no, no, no. Prophecy speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Verse 4 says this, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. That's another one of those tricky church words, you know. Edify simply means strengthening. That's all, to strengthen. So anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or strengthens themselves. So there is this personal prayer language, language the Bible talks about where a person prays in a tongue to God and is strengthened in their faith. Then it goes on to say, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. That word simply means they strengthen the church. He goes on to teach in 1 Corinthians 14, that same chapter in verse 18. Paul says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Paul prayed in his personal prayer language a lot. It, it benefits, it strengthens the believer. But in verse 19, he goes on to say, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul said, listen, in the church, man, I'd rather speak in, in, in my private time. He says, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. But he says, man, in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words. Because listen, the only way that the church is edified is that they can understand me. That's what the Bible teaches. So there's this personal prayer language. And there's the gift of tongues and interpretation when somebody interprets a tongue. But there's a reason. You say, Pastor, would it help us if you just preach the whole message in tongues? No! If I preach in Chinese, don't none of you know it. And you would just like, I mean, or, and, and angelic, I mean, you just don't, no, no. You want to speak five intelligible words so that the church can be edified and strengthened. So here's, here's the entire goal of today's message. Here it is right here. Here's the goal. You need to realize there is more of God he has for your life. There's more for everyone. If, let me tell you, if you've arrived at a destination, you're like, God, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. You're missing out. There's so much more. There's so much more. If you're not a Christian, first of all, you need to give your heart to Christ and experience salvation that the Holy Spirit baptize you into the body of Christ. And then you don't stop there. You need to get water baptized. After that, man, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, baptize, immerse me. Heavenly Father, immerse me in the Holy Spirit. Man, after you do that, you just keep going. God, fill me. Fill me with more of the Holy Spirit. Let, let me give you your next step with this message. I always want to give you practical next steps. Here's your next step. Luke 11, verse 13. If you then, though you are evil, talking about us fathers on earth, you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And listen, as fathers, mothers, we know, to have, we know how to give good gifts to our children. One of my sons turned 11 years old this past week, this weekend. We threw a party for him. He had friends show up and, and they played games. He had cake, pizza, his mama and I bought for him. And, oh, they had a good time. I mean, we, we know how to give good gifts to our children. He had birthday gifts. And, hey, 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 check this out, church. My son invited friends to his birthday party. Those friends of his gave him $185 of birthday money. I had the wrong friends growing up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, <clears throat> man, man, I picked the wrong friends. That boy knows how to pick his friends. Man, we know how to give good gifts to our children. We do a birthday party, got presents. We know how to bless our children. But he says this, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Here's your next step. 
Would you ask God to immerse you in the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian? Would you ask God to fill you full of the power of the Holy Spirit? It'll make all the difference in your life. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. It'll make all the difference. You're struggling in a dating relationship. You're struggling with purity. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're struggling in your workplace of being a witness. And you're starting to compromise your Christian values and what you believe. Would you, God, would you fill me for the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen, I've prayed that prayer many of times. I have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into salvation. I have been water baptized. I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I have been filled and refilled. It's a prayer of mine constantly. God, would you fill me? full of the power of the Holy Spirit. I know you give the Spirit without limit or measure. Would you just take control and let me surrender every part of my life, my body, my mind, my heart to you, that I could be the witness that you want me to be. Our Heavenly Father does not give bad or evil gifts. He gives good gifts. Would you ask your Father for more, for more?